Coworkers, welcome back to another episode of Coworking, the podcast that brings you the conversations you're currently missing from your workplace. We are back. Uh, hopefully, everybody survived through the eye and the the poop <laughs> stories. <laughs> it, was a, it was it was a rough one for uh, stomachs everywhere. I think mm-hmm. last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this one uh, should be easier. Easier mm-hmm. to stomach. Uh, Bianca, I know a lot of people at work like to talk mm-hmm. about uh, things they've done at past jobs, things things mm-hmm. that they worked on. I think I've told you before that my last job, I got to work on a lot of client projects. Mm-hmm. And client projects are great because you get <laughs> you get clients all over the place. Every yeah. project is different. Uh, you learn some interesting things about other industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the most interesting one, I don't know how much I've told you about this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a project for the alpaca industry. I don't know that much about alpacas other than I know that they are a fluffy and, from what I understand, mean set of animals. <laughs> I, I don't think they're mean. <laughs> I heard that they're mean. Like I heard, I heard that they'll like, spit at you. That might be llamas. Maybe that's llamas. They are closely related. Any, uh, what I'll say is any long-necked animal is getting put on blast right now. Like if you're a llama, if you're an alpaca. (laughs) Yeah. So I learned a ton about alpacas while working on this project. I never actually met an alpaca, uh, but I learned a lot about them. And then afterwards, you know, after I had left that job even, I found out you know, retroactively, something really crazy. That in the United States, there was an alpaca bubble. And we're not talking about a soap bubble. No, we're talking about uh, like housing bubble, GameStop Mm. stock bubble. (laughs) Relevant. Yeah. (laughs) People will argue it's not really a bubble. But, you know, the price of alpacas... I at the time that I was working on the project, they're pretty high, and I was aware that they're pretty high. I was not aware that they came crashing down in the years after. Uh, so I'm here to tell you all about it. I'm ready. Uh, first, can you give me uh, some background on the farming of alpacas? Like, were they used? Are they? They're not pets. They're are they used? Just for their wool, I've heard their their, is it wool? What am I talking about? Yeah. Like, what is the their fur? You, you said that they're not pets, but I think a lot of people uh, anymore kind of treat them as pets. Sure. Uh, less dangerous than tigers, for sure. Some people treat tigers as pets. I I just mean like it's much more common for you to see a doodle at a dog park mm-hmm. than it is mm-hmm. an alpaca at a dog park. <laughs> uh, now Doodles I, aren't I, being farmed. I don't know if they've been approved as uh, like a therapy animal, but I could see oh, that. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, no, the main uh, product from alpacas is their wool. Okay. Um, if you've ever seen like alpaca clothing, uh, I know that's it's a really big export out of Peru, where the vast oh. majority of the world's alpaca, alpacas live. Nice. 
Uh, I also learned there's two kinds of alpacas. Like I two different, uh, what would you call like two different breeds of alpacas? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the first one, the more common one, I think it's pronounced Wakaya. Sure. I'll give you one guess how to spell that. Uh, I bet there's there's a J in there somewhere. No, no J. Mm-hmm. What, what do you guess it even starts with? Uh, I was going to say a J. Like, <laughs> like a soft J, like yogging. No. Um, an O? No. I'm just going to guess. I've got 24 more letters to guess, Greg. <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you. It's, it's H-U-A-C-A-Y-A. I always called it like Huyakaya while I was That's... working on the project. Nobody, sure. nobody corrected me. I only recently went and looked up how do you pronounce this word. And, and it's Wakaya? Yeah. I like to okay. think of it as a small child trying to say Wakanda forever. Oh. And they're like, Wakaya. Yep. I'm into it. <laughs> so that's how you'll remember that one. Yep. And the Wakaya ones, they're they're way more common. Like, at least in the United States, it's like a 90-10 split, something like that, oh, where 90% okay. of the alpacas are these Wakaya alpacas. And they're the big, fluffy ones. Okay. Uh, the ones where, you know, when they've got a head full of fur, they look like a big teddy bear. Like the it. face does. The other kind is called Surrey. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that look like hippies. They're, nice. Their hair is like, it looks kind of like dreadlocks. Okay. And, and it'll like lay over their eyes. They just look like a stoner animal. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so there's two kinds of alpacas. Uh, Their their closest relatives are, of course, llamas Mm -hmm. and camels. Oh. So another long neck. I could see that. Also Uh, on blast. The alpaca people hate it if you call them llamas. Sure. I, yeah. They're they're it, not llamas. Technically, llamas are something different. I think if you imagined uh, twins, mm-hmm. maybe even identical twins, and how annoyed they get at people messing up who's who, the alpaca people are mm-hmm. representing for the alpacas because the alpacas don't know people are calling them llamas. <laughs> so the alpaca right. people are yeah. going to be upset for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the alpacas aren't coming home from school and being like, someone called me a llama today. Like, <laughs> my feelings. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know how to tell the difference between an alpaca and a llama. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point while I was working on this project, uh, there was a commercial on TV. Great commercial from Stanley Steamer. I don't know if you remember this one. There's an alpaca in the living room. And the guy <laughs> is telling his <laughs> apprentice... You know, you really got to, you got to know your alpacas and llamas because you got to know what kind of stain you're dealing with here. Because oh <laughs> you got to treat an alpaca stain way differently than a llama stain. The alpaca people love this commercial. <laughs> because there's a distinct difference. I yeah. get it. I get yeah. it. They, they felt heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fun fact about alpacas in the United States, they have very long names. Uh, a lot of these farmers that were raising alpacas, uh, they liked to name their alpacas the way that, you know, racehorse owners name racehorses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the alpaca registry, who is in charge of keeping track of all the alpacas in the United States, oh, they had to put a character limit 
<laughs> on names. So are their names, are they, can it be longer than a tweet? No. Okay. It cannot be longer than a tweet. Uh, so the limit is, I believe it's 35, 35 characters. Okay. Which it's not, that's not crazy long. But that's but, still longer than your name and my name combined. Yeah. And remember, alpacas don't normally have a first name and a last name. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, but there were there were a lot of farms that they would put the name of their farm as the alpaca name first. Oh, okay. Which was kind of interesting. But the reason that the names came up, so this project that I did, it was a web application. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had to display these names and we had to figure out how to display names and still support these ridiculously long alpaca names. Right. All right. So other fun facts yeah. about the alpacas. At the time that I was working on this project, well, mm-hmm. let me give you some background on what this project was. Okay. At the time, when it was pitched to me to work on it, it was pitched as a Facebook for alpacas. Hey. Hang on. For alpacas or for alpaca farmers? For the alpacas. The the okay. farmers would sign up. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure it was free for them. Uh, they would sign up for this website and they would create profiles for their alpacas. But now, now that I know, it's much more of a Tinder for alpacas. Oh, my lanta. <laughs> <laughs> so that they can make baby alpacas? Yeah. Is it like a like a like a breeding website? Yeah, pretty much. Now the website doesn't exist anymore. Sure. Uh because if you recall, I mentioned that there was a bubble and the bubble burst. Mm. And I I believe that this website was one of many casualties in this bubble. <laughs> uh but yeah, so the website was uh if I'm an if I'm an alpaca farmer. Mm-hmm. I would create profiles for my prize-winning alpacas. Oh, boy. I could display the awards that they got, pictures of my alpaca, um, other, like, uh, characteristics about the fibers of the alpaca, which oh. that's what they call the wool. They just call mm-hmm. it fibers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is, you know, maybe I want to sell this alpaca, so I put a sale price on there. Or maybe I want to breed this alpaca. Maybe I've got a male alpaca with some really great genetics Mm-hmm. And I want to see who who's got a female alpaca that wants to have a baby alpaca with my male alpaca, and I'm mm-hmm. going to charge you some money. And so that's when I started to learn how much these alpacas cost, at least back then. So uh, when I was working on this project, uh, it was not at the peak of the bubble. It was shortly after. Mm-hmm. And yet, at that time, uh, there were recently... Uh, an alpaca that had sold for like a quarter million dollars. Shut the front door. There were male alpacas charging like three grand for for a studding fee. <gasps> there was a lot of money going on in this wow. alpaca industry. And so, you know, I was talking to uh, some of the folks that we were working with and, mm-hmm. and other people in my company. And I was like, why... <laughs> Why are these alpacas yeah. worth so much? What is going on here? What am I missing? Right. 
should I go out and try to finance an alpaca? Because I could make a ton of money on it. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, So here's what I found out. (laughs) The alpaca industry was very much propped up on speculation. Mm. That one day, someday in the near future, everybody... Everybody and their dog is going to be wearing (laughs) alpaca clothing. Interesting. That it's going to become so popular, it would displace, say, cotton. Whoa. Uh, And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation that, you know, someday soon, any day now, Mm -hmm. the general public, they're going to go nuts about alpaca clothing. And the right. demand for the alpaca wool will shoot through the roof. And whoever has the alpaca with the best fibers, mm-hmm. they hold the keys to the industry because everybody's going to want alpacas that come from that alpaca. And so you'd be able to charge whatever you want for the baby alpacas. Wow. Now, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many mm-hmm. alpaca clothing articles you have. I believe I have exactly zero. Uh, same, same here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever touched a piece of alpaca clothing. At first, um, I thought that alpaca wool was related to cashmere. And then I realized that <laughs> that's something totally different. That comes from a goat and not even an alpaca. Um, so... Yeah, I could could not tell you the characteristics or like why it would be hot to trot. Uh, now, I think a lot of the alpaca farmers. Uh, how do I put this? Do you remember? You might remember because we're older. Uh, <laughs> that when VHS was all the rage. Yes. There was this other format called Beta, or was mm-hmm. it Betamax or Beta? One of those two. I think it's Betamax because we yeah. have a squad called Betamax. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's a squad at work. We're Betamax. Uh, people that bought into Betamax, they will tell you to a, an, an annoying degree how superior mm-hmm. Betamax was to VHS. Sure. The alpaca farmers are. They will tell you that alpaca wool is the Betamax to all the other clothing options. One of the big ones was that it's uh, hypoallergenic. No, really? Yeah. So, I mean, there's wow. there's like, there's some legitimate advantages to this oh, sure. clothing. Um, but there are a lot of problems in this idea that Americans would start uh, wearing alpaca clothing and the idea that American alpacas would be the ones supplying the, the wool for that. Sure. Um, when I was working on Tinder for alpacas, <laughs> I assumed that there were a lot of alpacas in the United States, like a yeah. lot, a lot of alpacas. I mean, enough to justify Tinder for alpacas. If you had to take a guess. Yeah. Like when I tell you there was a bubble, there was an alpaca bubble. All yeah. these people were buying in. Uh, what kind of a number would you put on the total number of alpacas in the United States? I would have guessed 200,000. No, that's not bad. It was less yeah. than that. 
I think at the time that I was working on it, it was probably around 120,000 alpacas in the United States. Okay. Guess how many alpacas are in Peru? I'm going to guess way more. <laughs> it's something like 3 million. Yo, 3 million? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They have the majority of the world's alpaca population. And you know oh. what they do with that wool? <laughs> <laughs> they export it all over the place. Yeah. Yep. No, that feels right. Mm-hmm. So, So the idea that... Americans would be able to raise alpacas and use that wool to compete with wool that is exported from Peru is a pipe dream. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. That that is a silly David and Goliath story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three million versus like a hundred and twenty thousand. But now there are other reasons that this alpaca bubble happened. So so a little bit of history. Uh, Before the 1980s, there weren't really alpacas in the United States. Uh, If there were, they were in a zoo or like an animal park. It just wasn't wasn't something that you would see at a farm. Yeah. Uh, The first uh, alpacas that really started to be imported for as like a farm animal was like the mid 80s. Wow. And uh, I think they might have come from uh, like Peru, Chile, around there. Mm -hmm. Um. In 1987, uh, there was an Alpaca Owners and Breeders Association formed. Uh, we, When I was working on this project, we always called it AOBA. <laughs> I didn't even know what it stood for most of the time. I had to look that up. Uh, AOBA doesn't actually exist anymore. They merged with Alpaca Registry, Inc. Uh, to form the new... Uh, I think it's AOA. I think it's just like Alpaca Owners Association. Hmm. Um, I don't know why they dropped breeders. Uh, but anyway, so they this organization formed to keep track of alpacas. Mm-hmm. And they were promoting this idea of breeding alpacas. They even created commercials for it. You would see commercials uh, encouraging people to start an alpaca farm, like especially retirees. What? Yeah. Uh, they even had a tagline, the investment you can hug. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, it's, they must have spent a lot of time <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. So you've got this organization that is actively yeah. encouraging more people to get into it. Yeah. Then you've got this other big thing. Arguably a bigger thing than, you know, AOBA. Uh, People started to figure out that there were all these tax benefits to owning a farm or having farmland or having land declared as a farm. And people started to realize alpacas are a really easy way to have a farm. Mm -hmm. One, they are dirt cheap to take care of. Uh, Really? From everything I was looking up, maintaining an alpaca one alpaca it's like 300 bucks a year that's like for how (laughs) that's cheaper than a dog absolutely it is (laughs) that's cheaper than the one visit that lola had in the last episode (laughs) yeah i couldn't believe it but yes they are extremely cheap to feed and their vet bills are generally very low 
They are cheap to maintain. And you don't even need very much land for them. If you have an acre, just say you live on one acre of land, you put up a little shed for them, you could have like six alpacas on that. That's it? Like for or like you only need one acre for six alpacas? Yeah. It's yeah, you don't need much land. And they're just they're easy to take care of. They are relatively docile. It's like when you said that they're mean, I was like, I don't I'm not sure that's true because you know, all these all these rich people essentially started alpaca farms so that they could get tax breaks and they love the alpacas because they're just so easy to take care of. I I'm sure that I have fallen into um, the Mary Kate Nashley Olson of alpacas versus llamas, and I just thought, well, I, I'm pretty sure llamas are mean, like they'll spit at you, <laughs> and I mistook them for alpacas. So to the alpaca community, uh, this is a formal apology. Mm-hmm, yeah, that mm-hmm. they're they they should be treated with respect, like the docile animals that I have just come to find out that they are. As it turns out, Mary Kate and Ashley are both llamas. Elizabeth is the alpaca. <laughs> she's a she's a good one though. Mm-hmm. She's a good alpaca. Yeah. Uh yeah, so that was that was another key ingredient to this bubble is that uh people with money looking for tax breaks recognized oh, I need to have a farm or a ranch and I can just get a couple of alpacas to do it. Yeah. So you had Aoba actively advertising yep. and you had wealthy people starting to pour money into this. Uh, and then there'd be a lot of, uh, you know, as more people were trying to get alpacas, there was also this race for the best, the alpaca mm-hmm. with the best fibers. So there, there'd be lots of shows um, and people were were judging the fibers and the uh, the alpaca registry, um, of course, you know, in order to submit or to get your alpaca into the registry, you had to submit a DNA sample and maybe a fiber sample. I don't know if that was separate. Wow. And so they would keep track of all this data about your alpacas, which as I was working on this project, I was like, wow, they're so scientific. But in reality, they were like way behind the general cattle industry. They've been doing this stuff so much longer. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah Tinder so yeah. for cattle already existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, everybody, they were they were keeping track of um, all this data about their alpacas, and they were trying to find uh, even better alpacas to buy. Um, so yeah, they the alpaca registry, uh, they were inviting all of these people to get into it, to uh, for a while, they could still import more alpacas and get them included in the registry. Um, and up until 1999, uh, you could import alpacas and get them included in the registry. But then starting on 1999, they closed the registry. And oh. from then on, which, this is really interesting to me. From then on, the only way an alpaca could get into the registry is if both of its parents were part of the registry. Oh. And so at that point... They basically shut off uh, the ability to import alpacas. Like you could, you could technically import an alpaca, but if your alpaca in the United States was not part of the registry, there's no way you're going to be making any deals because, you know, that AOBA and the alpaca registry, they're going to have a lock on anybody buying up 
these fibers, right? Wow. And so they they basically uh, squeezed out anybody that was just trying to import alpacas. So the only way you could get alpacas is from the people that already had them in the United States. Wow. So that's probably another key ingredient to this bubble. Yeah. Uh, so we're at like 1998 here. Uh, oh, and, and just to give an idea of numbers, uh, uh-huh. the first year that the registry existed, they registered 608 alpacas. Oh, <laughs> not the numbers I'm sure they were hoping for. But I mean, that's probably all of them that were in the United sure, States. For sure. Because you remember that I said like the first one well, that got right, imported was in the mid 80s. Yeah. So this was 86. Gosh. And uh, they they registered more every year. Like the next few years, they only registered like 100 some more. Mm-hmm. And what's funny in the first uh, it was something like six or seven years, they only registered one Surrey alpaca. I don't oh, understand wow. that. Who has just one Surrey <laughs> alpaca? You cannot make more with one Surrey right. alpaca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, high school biology and just general math has told me that that's not how that works. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's the one lonely Surrey alpaca. That one was Aww. that one was obviously just a pet. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, they... Uh, they were increasing their numbers every year of of how many they were registering. And it peaked in 2008. In 2008, they registered over 20,000 <gasps> new alpacas. Whoa. Keeping in mind, you know, uh, none of those would have been imported. Those right. were all new baby alpacas that Aww. the alpaca breeders were breeding. Uh since 2008, it has been declining, the number of new alpacas. Sure. Uh, just last year, in 2020, it was less than 5,000 new alpacas wow. were registered. So that's like, it's a pretty big curve there. Yeah. Now I'm concerned that like, do we need to get Sarah McLaughlin in on this and like <laughs> make a song about like getting more baby alpacas in? But I'm sure you're going to tell me why that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh sarah mclaughlin is a good call you know there's there's later parts of this story where, where you're gonna want to you just like just pull that music in just just play mm-hmm. that music in the background mm-hmm. yep um so yeah the numbers were increasing the prices kept going up uh i found an article from market watch in 2007 uh, one, there was a guy in there bragging about all the tax write-offs he's getting because of Oof. alpacas. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so that's great. Uh, and then another guy in this article, I I don't know if this is the most ever spent on an alpaca, but I didn't find any evidence of more being spent on an alpaca. He said that he put in $750,000 on half of an alpaca. So Get he out of here. He went halvesies. On an alpaca. <laughs> and he that spent like, $750,000. And that one animal was worth one and a half million. I guess. I mean, I don't know what racehorses are worth, but I, you know, that's probably beating out a lot of racehorses. Sure. What the heck? Uh, and that guy is quoted as, as saying, 
I may be the biggest idiot walking the face of the earth, or I may be enhancing bloodlines. Oh, the, for, the foreshadowing is incredible. Knowing what I know is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that could have made that that quote better is if he had said, I may be the biggest idiot walking the face of the flat earth. <laughs> really double down on it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh now this article did talk about there was a male alpaca that had sold for six hundred thousand dollars and had earned three million dollars in stud fees whoa so so there were people making money here sure uh that oh, yeah. that alpaca had somewhere around 500 offspring oh my goodness that I mean, if you're charging a large enough stud fee, I can totally see how you would make that much yeah. money. Oh and my gosh. That's that's about six thousand dollars per stud fee. That's incredible. Which which kind of lines up with what I told you when I was working on it shortly after the peak, you know, right. people were charging three grand for stud fees. So yeah. This this alpaca, six grand for a stud fee. Uh another great quote from this 2007 article. Many owners believe that alpaca fleece will someday yield profits. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, mm. oh, you poor people. I just want to go back into the past and just, like, pat you on the head. N- purely because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. At this point, we're at the peak of alpaca prices. Nobody's making money off yeah. of the wool. Right. Everyone's just like passing around alpacas. That's so, all. That's the only way money's being made, right? Is just by yes. like just charging for stud fees. Well, and in breeding new alpacas and selling them to new breeders. Yep. Uh you know what it kind of sounds like at this point? Mm-hmm. A pyramid scheme. Mm. Oh, it's sorry. Sorry. Multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> Yes, you can get uh, an alpaca with your LuLaRoe leggings. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, uh, that's... Or like, or like some wine club. That's that's really what it became is oh these farmers that got in early, they got their alpaca herd for relatively cheap. Uh, they started to have alpacas win awards at these shows and got everybody to believe that you know, these alpacas have the best fibers and maybe they did have the best fibers. Sure. And so then, uh, you know, you've also got AOBA still showing commercials, telling people this is a great retirement plan to right. become an oh, alpaca farmer. Right. So more and more people are buying into it. Wealthy people are buying into it. Right. Uh, and the people making money are the people that were making those first alpacas uh, and telling other people, here are your breeding alpacas. You go make more alpacas and you'll make money off of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, a quote from a, a later article. This was on the sad side of the bubble oh, <laughs> of, no. a, of an owner saying, well, the idea was th- this is an owner where when he and his wife retired, they sunk their life savings of 750 grand into an alpaca herd. Oh, no. Uh, he said, well, the idea was. You know, you buy a female alpaca for $7,000 and 
they have a baby, so that baby's worth seven thousand dollars. So you sell it and you make seven thousand dollars. But the problem with every pyramid scheme Mm -hmm. is at some point you run out of people to make a new base to your pyramid. Yep. Oh no. Now you just kind of wonder, you know, who who could have seen this coming? Mm -hmm. Uh, Two researchers from UC Davis saw it coming. Oh boy! In two thousand six, they wrote like an economic paper or something. That's exactly what they wrote. Yes. <laughs> in oh, 2006, I love this. Again, before the peak, the peak has not right. happened yet. We're in 2006. The right. peak was in 2008. Uh, there were a couple of UC Davis researchers. Uh, they wrote a paper titled "Alpaca Lies?" Question mark. Oh. <laughs> Speculative bubble in agriculture. Why the, uh, why they happen and how to recognize them? Economists have jokes. Uh, I did not realize this, and I am very excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they basically just broke down that uh, even if everybody in the United States started wearing alpaca clothing. Yeah. It still would not justify the prices for these alpacas sure. that were being sold at these auctions. You know, they ran they ran a bunch of numbers and they basically said the value of these alpacas doesn't match what they could produce even if all the speculation came true. Right. Um the alpaca people did not like that. <laughs> they were uh the economists they they said, you know, we don't blame you. There's always some level of cognitive dissonance. Sure. Which which is absolutely true. I well, you see that costs. in every every bubble. Yeah. Yep. Uh people in the housing bubble, they they thought yep. surely my house will still be worth uh that much later on. Mm-hmm. Uh you see you see it on stock bubbles, you know. Yep. People people still saying GameStop to the moon. Mm-hmm. And maybe it happens. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, alpaca people, they still believed. They still believed uh, in the value of their animals and the value of the the alpaca fibers someday taking off. Uh, these researchers, one of them actually said that uh, somebody called them a disgruntled alpaca inseminist from Florida. <laughs> That is a combination of words that I never <laughs> expected to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they were on the money. They came back in 2011 or 2012 with another paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, and I told you so paper. Yep. And... They have this one graphic. It's just a it's a beautiful graphic. It's an upside down bar graph. Nice. Where what it is graphing is the decline in average alpaca price. Mm. Starting oh, from rough. starting from 2005. So they actually found that the peak prices, average price happened in 2005. So I said that the peak <laughs> alpaca numbers happened in 2008. Yeah. Um, and that's probably because you still had a lot of people uh, breeding lots of al- alpacas. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I don't 
know that the baby alpacas get sold uh, until they're a little bit older. I'm not sure how that part works. But yeah, so peak price happened in 2005. Uh, I actually didn't see what that average price was, but you can get an idea of it based off the decline. Wow. Because uh, obviously the average price is not $0 today. Right. Although there was a point where people were trying to give away alpacas for free and not being successful. Wow. Uh, so yeah, 2005 peak price. 2006, uh, the average price dropped by about $4,000. 2007, wow. the average price had dropped by about $8,000 from, from 2005. Uh, you get to 2011, the average price had dropped $30,000. Oh my goodness. That's, that's outrageous. Yeah. That's the average price. Right. Like I can understand you get a few, like you even think about racehorses, right? Sure. You've got a collection of what? Like a dozen of the top racehorses across the country. Those are obviously worth a lot. They're going to charge a lot for studying fees and uh, breeding fees and stuff. Uh, but the average price of a racehorse, mm-hmm. way, way lower. So you talk about the average price of an alpaca dropping $30,000. That's incredible. Like, I would have assumed that the average price of an alpaca was $30,000. <laughs> Not that it would have dropped by $30,000. Yeah. That's wild. And so that's where the Sarah McLaughlin music comes in. Mm. <laughs> so there's a uh, a great article uh, from, what is it, Seattle Times? Yeah, Seattle Times. It was talking about uh, the basically this bubble bursting. All of a sudden, you know, you've got people that, uh, especially uh, retirees, that it sunk yeah. their life savings essentially to start an alpaca farm because they they were sold on this idea that this is a great retirement. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. It's an investment you can hug. Oh no! And suddenly they can't sell their alpacas. They can't even make money off off of the alpacas because remember the wool was not profitable. Right. So like, why would you have an alpaca now? Yeah. At this point, the alpaca is uh, literally eating money. Granted, not that much money, less than a dog. Sure. Yeah. But still, if you started a herd of like 50 alpacas, right. Uh, that's it's gonna be expensive. And so yeah. this the Seattle Times article was following uh this couple uh who they had it's the one that I had told you about where they had sunk seven hundred and fifty thousand mm. dollars into their alpaca farm. Uh and they said like you know, you, th- you think of any uh, stock price bubble or housing bubble, and you always wonder who was the sucker that bought in at that highest price just before it crashed? Yep. I, I think this couple is the sucker that bought into the alpaca farm oh. just before it all crashed. They were not able to sell a single alpaca. Oh, no. So they had spent $750,000 on an alpaca farm that was going to make no money And just have continued costs. Uh, They ended up having to have the sheriff's department go intervene because they were unable to take care of the animals. (gasps) 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh no. And that's that's not an isolated case. This was this was happening in many places. And oh. one of the new things to pop up was alpaca sanctuaries. Oh no. So they went from being like a hot ticket item, everyone wanted an alpaca, uh, great things, you can hug it, it might provide wool in the impending alpaca wool market, mm-hmm. and then now everyone's just kicking alpacas to the curb. Yeah. Oh. Sarah McLaughlin music right here. Yes, insert. Uh, we'll, we'll add it in post. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. Now, now I'm going to ask my husband if we can get an alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> I I am sure, quite certain that there's an alpaca alpaca sanctuary somewhere that is just like looking for people to just yep. take an alpaca, adopt an alpaca. Uh, but yeah, I think it was at this one uh, they evacuated 175 alpacas. Oh no! Uh, oh, most hate, of them. Oh, I don't like that. Most of them were extremely malnourished. Oh no! They didn't do anything. Yeah, just oh. a uh, uh, tragedy of the alpaca bubble. Oh. Uh, and then that's when you started to see a lot of people. I saw one article talking about this. Uh, obviously, people that had gotten in were also getting out, except for. The people that never really cared about the profitability, they just wanted the tax breaks. Sure. So at that point, you know, they're like, yeah, we're going to keep our alpacas, obviously, because right. we f- effectively make money off the tax breaks. And so, uh, you know, the people that were being pushed out of the industry, they even said, like, you have to be independently wealthy to run an alpaca farm because yeah. it is not profitable. There is an alpaca farm near where my husband grew up. And I was always really interested in like, what, what does an alpaca farm do? Because they have a lot of like corn and soybean producers and like mm-hmm. those are commodities. And so those are, you know, really high demand. Uh, so I totally get that business model, but I'm like, what do you do with the alpacas? <laughs> and now I know you yeah. get tax breaks. <laughs> you know, I'd also seen uh, uh, articles where farmers were saying uh, they just give away the alpaca wool. They don't even bother to try to sell it. But then what do you do with it? Like, is there someone crafting with it? So so this is another key piece of why the alpaca clothing never took off in the United States yeah. is at this time. Uh, you think about the textile industry or just like fabric uh, processing in general. None yeah. of that is left in the United States. It, that's all gone overseas, other countries where there's cheaper labor. There is no infrastructure in the United States to process oh. wool. And so uh, if you did want it processed, you had to ship it overseas. Like a, right. a lot of it ended up just going right back to Peru where they have these all the infrastructure for processing it. But then you're competing with all the, the back of right. wool that's already there. So you're obviously not going to make any money that way. Uh, there were a few people that tried to create like 
uh, wool, alpaca wool processing facilities, but those went yeah. under because the operating costs, uh, oh. they, they could not make enough money to, for the upkeep. Uh, because, you know, that's kind of the sad tale of those uh, those American jobs like that. They're just they're not here anymore. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, the people that are still maintaining their farms, they're not getting anything for their alpaca wool. If somebody comes up with a, uh, a crafty use for it, you can get it real cheap. Wow. Well, now I know where I can get it. I just have to go back to where my husband grew up. Yeah. Now, I don't know what you're going to do with it still. Yeah. Oh, no. Maybe maybe you can use it as insulation or something. I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, I have much more doodle fur than I know what to do <laughs> with. And I will likely find a use for that first. <laughs> you know, that's an excellent point. Yeah. All these people with shedding dogs. Yeah. They don't even give it away. They throw it away. How wasteful yeah. is that? See, my I'm lucky that my dogs aren't supposed to shed. Like they lose their fur. Like you or I shed hair. Um, so it's not like in big clumps. My sister's dog, shout out to Tiki. Uh, <laughs> she loses it in like enormous clumps. And I know your dog, Poppy is also non shedding, right? Mm-hmm. You have, she actually like has to get a haircut. Yep. And when I have to give these beasts a haircut, Greg garbage bags full of dog hair. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, other fun fact about alpacas. Uh, the wool they do produce, they produce about six to eight pounds uh, of wool That's a year. incredible. Which sounds like a lot, but you're still not going to make very much money off of that. Sure. For uh, one alpaca. Yeah. Because you think about an alpaca sweater. The thing that I read mm-hmm. said an alpaca sweater probably has about one pound of wool, of alpaca wool in it. Yeah. So one alpaca is only making six sweaters. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, so I feel like it's really easy for us to sit here and be like, hindsight should have been, hindsight's definitely <laughs> 2020. But like, no one was out here being like, mm, how realistic does this seem? Everyone was just wishing, wishing for alpaca dreams to come true. Well, like I said, you know, it was kind of a perfect storm because you had the tax breaks. Yeah. You had uh, the wealthy people getting into it. There was even a point where, um, and I think that the, the uh, Market Watch article that I talked about mentioned this, the one from 2007, the guy talking about all his tax breaks. Yeah. He referred to alpacas as living art because you think about wealthy people that buy art, they don't buy sure. it because it looks good. They buy right. it because it's a, a place to put their money. Yeah. So they were buying these expensive alpacas as a place to put their money. Rich people and I have very different problems. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> very much so. Uh, another fun thing that I learned about as I was researching more about this, uh, the alpaca bubble, that's not the first uh, agriculture or you know farm animal bubble. <gasps> there was another one shortly before it, ostriches. Oh, and they didn't learn from that either. <laughs> no. Uh, and after learning about this one, I think I remember, I say I think because, you know, memory is fallible and this might just be a Mandela effect thing. <laughs> but I think I remember uh, an outing in like first or second grade, a field trip where we went to an ostrich farm and they told us 
You know, someday in the near future, you're all going to be eating ostrich burgers instead of beef burgers. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, I went to hy V today. A severe shortage of ostrich meat <laughs> at hy V. I I don't think that I've ever had ostrich, even at the I, peak of that bubble. Mm-mm, I have not. And I'm sure that those farmers would have told you, well, ostrich burgers are the Betamax to the mm, beef burgers. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, it's the, it the same thing where uh, there's all this speculation that the general public of the United States, they're going to have their first taste of an ostrich burger and be like, I'm never having beef again. <laughs> I'm ostrich all the way. <laughs> And then, of course, everybody would want to be raising ostriches and not right. cows. Oh, my gosh. And who knows? Maybe that one. Maybe uh, maybe big cattle put the kibosh on that behind mm. the scenes. You don't know. They, maybe. maybe they saw the threat. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska's not called the ostrich state, let me tell you. I don't it's think it's state. called the cow state either. <laughs> Isn't it the beef state? Isn't it Is on it? a... It's definitely, whether or not that's true, I know that it's technically the corn husker state. I do know this. Isn't that on like a like a driver's, uh, like a license plate? There's something that says, okay, now I have to Google it because I'm going to sound like such a ding dong if I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Look it up. I have to. I mean, we are known for having okay. cows. Yes, during the 1950s and 60s, Nebraska's license plates carried the nickname The Beef State. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I know at that time, Omaha was like one of the, the, the main places of the cattle industry. I don't know if sure. it still is, um, but I know early on in the Omaha days, that's what it was known for. Got it. I know as soon as I said it, I was like, no, we're definitely the Cornhusker State. Where did I see this? It's definitely <laughs> on a license plate. Be like, oh gosh, I've lived here for so long and I don't know anything about the state that I live in. <laughs> now, okay, Google has redeemed me. But yeah, so ostriches, they were the bubble before the alpacas. Mm. Now I think the alpaca bubble is is good and gone. Uh, I I did look up recent prices of alpacas. There are still alpacas Selling for over a thousand dollars. Wow. Um, the most expensive one that I saw the sale price, it, it hadn't actually sold for this, but it was like eight thousand dollars. So I am not getting an alpaca, is what I'm hearing. Well, I, I think you can get a, <laughs> a low end alpaca, a starter alpaca, if you will. Yep, let me put you into a pre owned <laughs> alpaca, <laughs> and then you can graduate to the uh, the more refined. The better fiber alpaca. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, I learned all of that because I worked on that one client project, the Tinder for alpacas. That's incredible. It's just when, amazing the things you can learn. When you were talking about that you, that on the, this is the most ridiculous thing, on the alpaca's profile, um, they had like awards. Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. like, what are they winning awards for? Like, was this alpaca on Top Chef? Was this alpaca the winner of a spelling bee? Like, what kind of awards? And then when, then I thought about it as you were explaining it, 
I'm like, oh no, this is like dog shows, essentially, but for alpacas. Yeah, although I think I think the alpaca awards were far more for just how good are their fibers. Mm. Whereas a dog show is like, how well behaved and good looking is your dog? There, I mean, some of it is also like the breed standard. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, what is a breed standard for an alpaca? Probably yep. the the it's probably the fibers. But if you've got like, I want to know what the categories are. Like, I want to know so much about this because it just seems so outrageous and ridiculous to me. Like, softest fibers goes to. Willie the alpaca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the thickness of the fiber was always a big deal. Um, hmm. I want to say you wanted thin fibers. Thinner thinner was better. Interesting. I also think it's very interesting that they were able to judge the fibers and then like nobody made it into anything. So it was just <laughs> like this this irrelevant factor yeah. of the goodness of an alpaca. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, wild. next time you drive by an alpaca farm, yeah. think of this story. Think of those poor animals. And then you can say oh. to yourself, Wakaya forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn on uh, the Sarah McLaughlin uh, ASPCA music as i drive by i mean hopefully the alpacas i'm seeing are well loved and well fed but i when i was working on the project i i did scour some alpaca forums just to mm. just to really like get in with the people yeah you know, kn- know who i was building this thing for immerse yourself in the culture and there were a lot of people that maybe they got into it for the tax breaks mm-hmm. or the retirement plan but they stayed for the alpacas because mm. they they legitimately loved their alpacas. Oh, that's really cute. Wakaya forever. Well, do you own an alpaca? Do you know uh, anything about alpacas? Or do you know about another bubble that we should talk about and maybe get Sarah McLaughlin on that one too? Uh, we would love to hear from you. So make sure to hit us up on Instagram. We're at coworking underscore podcast. If you've got a topic suggestion for us, go ahead and DM us on Instagram. We want to hear your suggestions. What should we talk about next? We're sure that you have friends that are missing their random office chit chats. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about us. That's it for this week. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye. What? 